here familiar with the term Holy Week? Is that a, a familiar term? I know probably those who grew up in a Catholic background would uh, recognize it. We don't do a lot with, with special holy days here at East Glenville, but, but especially when you get near Easter, there's a series of special days that mark the, the path of Christ towards the end. And so Holy Week is that last week starting with Palm Sunday, which is next Sunday, ending with Easter. So Palm Sunday marks Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. And then um, there's Maundy Thursday, which marks the Last Supper. Good Friday, which marks the, the cross, the day of the cross. I'm not sure if Saturday has a specific appellation or not. And then, of course, Easter Sunday. So we have some special things going on. The main thing, so we are going to do... Palm Sunday, and talk about that next week. But the one special service we're doing is Maundy Thursday, and I would just encourage you to come here. I, I have something new I'm sort of bringing forth for East Glenville people, a, a, a type, a, a different sense of worship. I call it around the table. And we will just sit in around tables. We'll share in the Lord's Supper together around tables. So it'll be a great chance to actually share communion with your family or with some specific friends, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But, uh, so that'll be not this Thursday, but the Thursday after, starting at 7 o'clock. So we did one sacrament already. A sacrament is a special thing given to the church, to, to a spiritual thing, so we remember God in a way, and so one sacrament is the Lord's Supper. Today, we're going to talk about the other sacrament that we practice, and that is baptism. And our passage today talked about how when you're baptized into Christ, you are all one in Christ Jesus, united in Christ. And, and there's a bit of an irony in the fact that baptism is one of the main issues over which churches disagree and separate and form whole new denominations. And I want to talk about um, baptism today and, and help us get understand, try to understand what it's about, what, what it's for, what's its meaning. Um, so we're going to con- talk a little bit about those disagreements just so we understand what, where churches are at and what's some of the things that are, they're about. And then we're going to look closely at Galatians and what it says, um, what, it, what it's trying to convey and how baptism fits into that. And my goal is, is teaching this morning, uh, that you get an understanding of, of why, why baptism matters, so that it, you'd kind of have a, a sense of it. It is not necessarily to argue into you thinking differently about baptism. Um, I will ultimately explain why we do what we do at East Glenville, so we'll get to that. But what is the differences in, in how baptism is practiced? And so one difference, churches, is the mechanics and timing of baptism, the how and the when. So, in other words, some churches practice baptism by full immersion. You all the way underwater, um, whether it's in a pool or a lake or a river. Um, some churches generally do just sprinkling. You know, you make sure you get a little water on the top of the head, um, especially if it's infants, that's generally the practice. And, and then occasionally you'll get pour-overs. So I, we did a baptism at a pre, my previous church where we just got a baby pool 
in the courtyard. I wanted to do it, you know, right near the church, but we didn't have another means. In fact, that was when Ben was baptized. And so for the younger teenagers, I was able to, to dunk them. But we had one guy, in fact, it's up on the screen, no way he was going to fit into this baby pool. So I had to do a, a pour over for his baptism. Um, so those are three different mechanisms, you know, the mechanics of baptism. Along with that, of course, is what age, right? Do you baptize as infants based on the faith of their parents, you know, and, and showing that, that children are included in the, the covenant people of God, that our kids are also included in the family of God? Or do you wait until they've made some, ex, some expression of faith, maybe as teenagers or even adults? That's usually called believer's baptism. So you have infant baptism, believer's baptism. So you have that. That's really probably the main difference. Um, but I've been in churches that, that do like Baptist churches. And there's the question is, how old is old enough? Like I've seen six-year-olds being baptized, you know, or nine-year-olds. Or like at what age are you actually able to express that you're ready to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, right? At what age can you say you truly, it's your faith and not just your parents' faith? And, you know, that may be 40 or something. I, I, but but it, yeah, I've seen all kinds of things practiced. Um, so mechanics and timing, but that's not the only disagreement churches have. The other is, and this is one I only learned about about three years ago from my, one of my friends, Terry, is there's a whole disagreement on the name in which you baptize someone in. So my friend was in the apostolic church, and they were very clear you're supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus, because that's where the power is, the name of Jesus. But they, it was a Pentecostal denomination, actually a black Pentecostal denomination. They had a rival black Pentecostal denomination called the Church of God in Christ, and the Church of God in Christ was insistent to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I, I, I just was amused as I talked to my friend about how these two, two denominations, like, are, you know, disagree on this and are kind of, and so there's that. And then there's a third question. And I think this is the most basic one of all, and maybe the most important one to answer. And it's this. Does baptism, does the act of baptism effect our salvation? Meaning, does, does it make it happen? Does it affect it? Such that without being baptized, we are not saved. In other words, is, is it going into the water that actually saves you? So, there are Christians that advocate for that. And the, the stream of, of Christians are called Campbellite Christianity. It comes from Alexander Campbell, um, in the 1800s, who started to teach this. And here's just a few statements that, that and the, these would teach that you must be fully immersed to be saved. And they say it's not our faith in God's promise of remission, but our going down into the water, an act or work that obtains the remission of sin. So if you don't go down into the water, your sins are not forgiven. And then the second, remission of sins cannot be enjoyed by any person before immersion. So that's the argument that you have to be fully immersed in order to be saved. Um, so just to give you a contrast, the John Piper, 
who's in the Reformed camp, which we, we generally would fit into in this church, um, emphasizes that salvation is by grace alone through faith, that no act does it. And so here's what he would have. And on his website, it says, Baptism is the outward expression of calling on the name of the Lord in faith. It's not the water that affects our justification or union with Christ. The water is a picture of the cleansing. But the faith in the heart, the call on the Lord from faith, is what unites us and forgives us. So see, it's through faith that he would say you are saved. So I, I want to get to my story because I, I got into this when I went off to college and I found a, a really good Christian group that I was a part of all, all my four years. And so this is a picture of our, just the guys group. We had a, we had a good um, thing. I learned a ton about the Bible. And I didn't realize it when I first got into them, but they were of the Campbellite stream. Now, they would have never used that term. Um, I doubt if anyone knew who Alexander Campbell was. But they, they would said they were the Church of Christ. And, that's, and so they were teaching that you, until you were immersed, you were not saved. And my story was, as I had been baptized as an infant in, by the faith of my parents, I had, by my teen years, kind of sort of not believed. We, we didn't get too involved in church. Um, but I met Christ at a Young Life camp when I heard the gospel. And I... I put my faith in Jesus, and I knew that I had stepped into life. I knew I had a relationship with Christ. It was, he was so real to me, I, I, it, I couldn't think any otherwise. And so when they would tell me that, well, you weren't immersed, well, then you're not saved yet. You don't, know, you don't have forgiveness of sins yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and so I basically... I trying to understand, like, you know, because I liked the group, and we were, you know, I, I learned a, a lot of other things through them, so I just started to study, and I looked, I mean, I would read any Bible passage that had to do with baptism, as well as those that had to do with salvation, and, um, and I was pretty solid that I am saved, I, the John Piper view, right, I am saved by faith in Jesus Christ. I remember writing my young life leader, and and he wrote back, he says, you know, you know who you are. You know that you are in Christ and, and all that. And so it was, it was a somewhat tumultuous because most of my friends sort of were disagreeing with me on this. And eventually, my, not till my junior year, I went ahead and I, I, I affirmed my baptism is the way I would say it. I, I went ahead and I was immersed for the purpose of affirming the baptism that I, I'd already had. For, in their minds, though, I was a new Christian. And so it didn't really solve things, but it, at, least, at least it got them off my back, right? Um, and though then later I still had a friend that says, well, if you, weren't, if you weren't doing it for salvation, then you weren't actually saved, even though you went through the, you know. So uh, it just became this, this thing. And so later when I... I worked for Young Life, a, a parachurch organization. Young Life doesn't baptize because they, they preach the gospel and they want people to get involved in churches and that's where they should be baptized. And so I worked for them. But I also interacted with all kinds of different churches, Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists and all of them. So I, I saw how they handled it. And I, I 
was able to interact and just see different, different mechanisms of baptism. So here's, here's what I've come down to, is the Bible talks a lot about the meaning of baptism, what baptism means, what it does, but it doesn't spell out the mechanism of baptism. We're never given a passage that instructs us how to baptize. We're given a lot of examples of being, people being baptized. The, the, the River Jordan plays a big part, so they were baptized in the river. Now, the immersionists would point out the word baptism means immersion. So that must have been what it meant. But then some argue, well, the River Jordan wasn't deep enough. And so they would have had to do pour-overs. And, and then yep, in some of the later parts of the Bible, it talks about whole households being baptized. In Acts 6, 16.33, the, the whole household of the Philippian jailer was baptized at once. So it seems to say they didn't go find a river, that, that they did it in the house. Did they happen to have a tub available? I don't know. Maybe. You know, maybe they had a bathtub and they used that. But were their children baptized? It doesn't tell us, right? And you, I mean, you, I see people arguing over this stuff. Did his whole family include his children? Probably, maybe. Maybe, I guess what I've come down to is, is if maybe God's not so concerned about the mechanism. Because what it does talk about is a lot about the meaning of baptism. And, and so... Could it be that God's not overly concerned with how we do it, with the mechanics or even the timing? He wants us, of course, when someone comes to believe we baptize as a way of affirming faith. It plays an important role. It is a gift given to the church that we can use to, to, to help people, affirm people um, in, their, in their life in Christ. And that's how we've at East Glenville, we, we are a community church, which means we recognize that people come into our fellowship through a lot of different backgrounds. Some were baptized as babies, as Catholic or Methodist or something. Others may come from a Baptist background and were dedicated as a child, and others may, may not have had anything growing up, and you, you came to faith later in life. So at East Glenville, we make room for different views. We had a, a dedication Sunday this winter. Next Sunday, we're having a baptism Sunday for infants. And then I'd like to, in June, have a baptism for adults. So if, if someone's not been baptized, talk to me about that. that we, we'd love to include you in that. Um, so we make room for both views, not out of lack of conviction, but out of this conviction that God has worked, that God will work through both forms of baptism and that it that it's not something we're called to divide over. That we are baptized into Christ, therefore we are one in Christ. One of the things that was really affirming for me that, that a few years ago when God led me to this church, that this was the right church for me, was that they practice both forms of baptism. Because I had done that at my previous church, and not many churches do. We are, just so you know, East Glenville is a little bit of an oddball in that we make room for both views on baptism. Um, let's look at Galatians 3 and, and see what we can draw out of this. I think this is an important passage. Talking about salvation um, and then even how baptism fits into it. So, verses 24 and 25. 
We get that first. And that starts off by talking about our, um, really the Old Testament, it's the context that, that we're in in the conversation that Paul's doing is the context of the Old Testament and the change from old to new. So he says, so then, the law was our guardian until Christ came. Meaning the, the Old Testament law was the, the thing we operated under. So uh, uh, computers, right? You have an operating system. Yeah. And then, then you get an update, right? And, and so Mike, Microsoft wants to sell you another version. And so you go from 9 to 10 or, or whatever. To, I don't even know what it's up to nowadays. So I'm, that's how far I am from that stuff. But you get a new operating system. We switched operating systems before we were under the law. And now we are in Christ. That is the new operating system. It says, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So, so the context is, we've switched our guardianship from the Old Testament law to now we are in Christ. Then in verse 26... It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. Now, I know it says sons, but it makes clear that includes the women folk, right? Later, I'll say male and female are included in that statement. So you could say we're all sons and daughters of God, children of God. We are made part of the household and family of God through Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. And that has brought us here today. That's why we celebrate the family meal together in the Lord's Supper. We're not under law. We're here by faith. We're not included by some ritual act, but by putting our trust. What does it mean to put our faith in Jesus Christ? It means we've, we've entrusted our life. The word for faith in Greek can mean faith, belief, or trust. It means we've entrusted our life to the Savior. And said, all right, Lord, I know I can't save myself. So I come to you. I put my trust in you. I am yours. That is what it means to be, put our faith in Christ. And by that, then we are declared sons and daughters of God. So then verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. So baptism, you are baptized into Christ into this relationship. So the baptism places you into Christ. Now, note it doesn't even say what element is used for baptism. In some ways, you can argue, is this, we're, we're baptized by water into Christ? Or it talks about in other places that, that he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Is it the Spirit that baptizes us into Christ? Or does water signify what the Spirit is doing? The water signifies that we're being baptized into Christ, that we put on Christ. Verse 28. Therefore, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither or nor, there's no male and female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't still have those qualities to us. You know, they, they, some were still Jewish, some were still Greek, some still were men, and some were still women. But in Christ, that becomes the overriding identity. That, that being in Christ, and it includes um, 
being part of the people of God, in a sense, is the greater, greater identity. And you can't tell who's a part of the people of God by their nationality, by their race, because it includes Jews and Greeks. If you, if you look to another passage Paul wrote in Colossians 3, it says there's neither Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in, in all. So it makes clear that, that it's Greek, Jew, Scythian, all these other nations. So we don't know by our race. Can you tell by the social status, right? Some, some were slaves, some were free. When they entered into, by put their faith, some were highborn, some were lowborn. In 1 Corinthians 1, it says, Brethren, there, there were not many wise among you, according to the flesh, in other words, educated, or, and there were not many powerful, and there were not many highborn. A good number of the early church were those who were of lower social status, who found a freedom in Jesus Christ, and so they trusted in him. So it's not by our social status, and lastly, it's not by our sex. Male and female would both come into and be a part of the body of Christ. Um, and in fact, it, it notes that women enter the Christian faith by their own agency. It's not through, you know, they're, they're not simply in because their husband or their father brought them in. It's by their own, own age, their own faith that brings them into the body of Christ. So, verse, verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So it brings it back around to the, the Old Testament. Be, you're now a part of the people of God, and so in the Old Testament, the people of God, the chosen people of God were descendants of Abraham. And now the chosen people of God are those who are in Christ. We are considered as descendants of Abraham. Now you think about it, and there was an Old Testament mark for being part of the people of God. Circumcision, right? A, a, a male baby at eight years old would be circumcised so that as a sign that they were included in the, the people of God at that time. And God was marking them as part of his. And if you, you know, you had to be marked to, to, to be a part of the people of God. So now he's given us a new mark. The outward visible mark for belonging to Christ is baptism with water. We baptize with water as a significant, a signifier that he is baptizing us with the Spirit. Later in Galatians 4, 6, it says that it's the Spirit that comes upon us that makes us sons and daughters of God. The Spirit testifies within us that we are sons and daughters of God. And how much better is baptism as a, a mark of being... It, it, first of all, it could be any nation. It's not just for the, the Jews as was a circumcision. Um, it also, men and women can participate in this, this ritual. So that is the mark, the, the covenant marker for those who belong to the people of God. I want to switch to talking about the significance, and I'm going to say there's three things that baptism signify, and I want to show you a video from a, a, one of my favorite movies. It's my favorite depiction of baptism in a movie. And Delmar, he, he gets two out of the three of the meanings I'm going to talk about. So 
we're queued up, go ahead and run the video. Oh, Delmar and Pete, and they're, they're on the run kind of a when they encounter this. Congregation. Care for some gopher? No, thank you, Delmar. A third of a gopher had only aroused my appetite without bedding her back down. Oh, you have the whole thing. 